Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Film Inquiries, the latest. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie conversations, and latest new movie releases. This week, uh, not really uh, too much happening in the way of new releases. The biggest new movie, I suppose, of the week is Hubie Halloween, a Halloween-themed comedy from Adam Sandler that is coming on Netflix. And I figured this would be a great opportunity to maybe just have a conversation about Adam Sandler. Uh, so luckily Jordan Snyder, a uh, good friend of mine guest last week decided to come back this week. And we had a fun conversation about Adam Sandler's star persona and what makes Adam Sandler a unique performer. And, you know, I feel like Adam Sandler gets a lot of crap and some of it is maybe a little bit deserved, but most of it I don't feel is. And I think what we tried to do with this conversation was um, really just reframe how we think of Adam Sandler and how we should be thinking of him as a really good actor because he is. And Jordan and I walked through uh, what we felt were kind of Sandler's more interesting performances or some of his more kind of iconic movies and attempted to kind of nail down what it is about Adam Sandler that, it, you know, just makes him such a, a comedy giant, but also like a really interesting, subtle actor. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to run through the headlines. Um, Dark times for movie theaters. If you listened to our episode a couple weeks back, Film Inquiry writer Josh Martin came on. Him and I had a long conversation about what the award season was going to look like and what was kind of happening with the slate of movies for the fall. A lot has happened since that conversation. Um, essentially, it all kind of kickstarted with No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie, getting pushed back once again as it looks like coronavirus is going to continue to be a part of our lives for the remainder of the year. That movie is now getting pushed back to the spring, about a year removed from when it was originally going to come out. And I think if you were a movie theater chain, that was kind of a, a nail in the coffin. Not that, you know, movie theaters are completely going away forever, but it was announced that... Um, Regal, the second largest movie chain in the United States, completely closing its doors simply due to the fact that there aren't really going to be any new major movies coming out for the rest of the year. Uh, Warner Brothers also announced a huge shift in their catalog, very similar to what Disney did uh, a few weeks ago, which means movies like Dune, for example, which was originally going to come out around Christmas, is actually not going to come out till October of next year. And that leaves the rest of the year kind of open. I mean, there are very few things that are still coming out. We still have a Wonder Woman movie on the calendar for Christmas. I guess we'll see how that goes. But I think James Bond, which was sort of the last really major tentpole movie that would draw in a major audience... That getting moved, I think, was just a signal to a lot of theater owners and a lot of studios, really, that it the fall's just not going to happen. 
And that puts us in a peculiar spot for this show as we're talking about new movie releases, but there is going to be new content. Uh, on a brighter news, we got a look at some new releases, uh, mainly David Fincher's Citizen Kane movie, Mank, which just just looks fantastic. You got you love to see it. It it just look it looks great. Um that will be hitting Netflix in December. Also was announced by Disney that Soul, the latest Pixar movie that I think Disney was trying to position as a possible awards contender is not going to be coming out in theaters but will be on Disney Plus in December. So that's really exciting too. That's another movie I'm greatly looking forward to. Will certainly be a movie I think we're going to talk about um, in regards to the awards conversation. Briefly want to touch back on that though. Um, one of the more <laughs> kind of hotly discussed <laughs> just uh, topics this past week was uh, a Washington Post op-ed that basically said that the Oscars should just be canceled. Um, a, a just ludicrous idea. Uh, I think ludicrous because this really puts us in an interesting position this year as Josh and I talked about, that there are a lot of indie and art house movies, as well as movies that went on streaming services that now kind of have their chance to be part of the awards conversation and would normally be pushed out by other louder studio films. Netflix, as we know, is going to be really, really pushing for Oscars, as they always do. But maybe there's a chance for something like Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, which I had an opportunity to see at through an online screening for the New York Film Festival. Terrific movie. One of the best of the year. I think is now firmly in the awards conversation. Uh, that's a movie we'll definitely talk about in December as well, when that will be getting some sort of release. Not really clear at this point. But that's one that definitely excited for more people to see. Um, coming up, in the next few weeks, we will have uh, a Sorkin conversation next week. Be talking about Trial of the Chicago 7, which will be arriving on Netflix. Also going to be talking about uh, David Byrne's American Utopia uh, concert movie that's kind of a spiritual sequel to Stop Making Sense and was directed by Spike Lee and one of the more talked about movies of the festival season. We'll have an episode talking about that as well. But for now, uh, enjoy this conversation between myself and Jordan Snyder about uh, the Sandman, about Adam Sandler. All right. want to welcome back to the show for his, his second time, two times in a row. Uh, Jordan Snyder, welcome. Yeah, How's it feel to be a part to be of the back. two the two timers club? Yeah, is anyone else part of that club yet? Uh, no, but with only four episodes, uh, there's not really you know much opportunity for that yet. But congrats on being the first person to make it two weeks in a row. Um, yeah, lots of room for company here. So this week you're here to uh, we decided to have a conversation about Adam Sandler because there's not really much new in the way of like new releases this week however the kind of like biggest new release is um 
Huey Hallow or Hubie Halloween, I should say. Yeah, let's uh, not new... let's not mess that up. This is important that we get this. It's it's very important that he is a uh, New Orleans Cajun man. I don't know if you got time to watch this, but th- this is the new Halloween themed Netflix comedy from Adam Sandler, and I just thought it would be a great opportunity for us to talk about Adam Sandler as a a figure in the entertainment world and uh someone who I think is like a little bit underrated or I I feel like we give him a lot of shit and yeah. some of that shit is maybe deserved but I think he is like a genuinely great actor and uh, a very unique screen presence and you seem pretty game to talk about Sandler. Uh, so maybe I should first ask by like, did, did you get a chance to watch Hubie Halloween? I I felt obligated to at least watch part of it just because if we're talking about Adam Sandler, his filmography as a whole, like the past 10 years, I've sort of just been tuned out um, and we'll discuss why. Um, so I, I did, I watched probably the first hour and some change and then i was like you know what this time would be better better spent uh revisiting some of his uh better work probably so that's that's what i ended up doing um how about you what what were your thoughts on qb uh you know it's i'm i'm not gonna come come out here and say it's like citizen kane or anything (laughs) but i mean like i laughed like three or four times so it's it's interesting i've it's obviously as of this morning i checked it's the like whatever weird arbitrary <laughs> way Netflix has of like determining what the most watched things are. It, it was in the number one slot this morning <laughs> as of Saturday when we're recording this. But um, so yeah, I don't, the reaction I've kind of been seeing from people online is sort of, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like people are kind of a bit more, uh, generous with this movie than maybe they've been with some of adam sandler's other netflix ventures um yeah, I'm, sure I've many of our listeners, lot, yeah. I'm sure as many of our listeners know adam sandler struck this deal with netflix uh i guess it was like three or four years ago and basically most of the sort of canonical kind of happy madison comedies that he's been churning out have been just going straight there and you know as as much as people kind of like the shit on these movies a lot of people watch them like yeah. the, the allegedly the rumors from Netflix and what they say is that these Sandler comedies that they put up um, are some of their more watched original movies. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I think. Do you know anyone that actually watches them like unironically or without being like, yeah, I guess I'll sit through this because I know people who in some of the earlier films we're talking about, like his. Uh, the Happy Gilmore's, Billy Madison's, which are mm-hmm. probably similarly juvenile and adolescent. Um, I mean, critically, I think they <laughs> might have been reviewed slightly more favorable, but still overall negative. Um, mm-hmm. So I just don't know who exactly is watching these movies. Do you, do I, you know I get anybody? The sense, I get the sense kids really like Adam Sandler still. And and I, I get the feeling that these movies are very, very popular with kids and kind of preteens um that that sort of like middle school child which you know I, i'm not saying that kind of like as a yeah. slap in the face to sandler i mean like that's that's a demographic if you can tap into that demographic There's good enough for you for that, yeah yeah I, I do get the sense though that 
um, you know, there are is these movies are very popular amongst a demographic that's younger than you and I are. Yeah. Um, as well as I'm sure there's plenty of people who just love Happy Gilmore and are like, oh, I'll give this a shot just because it's on Netflix. Um, I've seen a lot of the reaction to the Halloween movie being, you know, we're we're living in some pretty like dark times, and I, I've seen a lot of people who I think are a bit more sort of warmly receptive to this one, if only because, you know, a kind of like goofy, harmlessly silly, sweet Adam Sandler Halloween comedy is maybe like a breath of fresh air when it seems like, you know, the apocalypse and maybe the fall of democracy is happening all around us. Yeah. So I, I don't know. From that standpoint, I kind of had the same reaction to it as I did with, I don't know if you saw the the Seth Rogen comedy American Pickle that like went up on uh, HBO Max a few I, I didn't months watch ago. It, but I have to imagine that I would find more to enjoy from uh, an American Pickle only because I, I found Hubie Halloween like borderline unwatchable. Like you said, there were actually like one or two jokes that made me laugh out loud. And I was like, this the, the bed sheet, the bed sheet ghost gag. I have to admit as juvenile as it is like, made me like laugh out loud pretty hard <laughs> when the, i was watching the thing that got me the, the most was when um i think because everyone picks on him the entire movie and so one of the pranks has him end up in like a, a freshly dug grave complete with casket and, and one of the kids is is uh, trying to explain i was saying no this is a good thing god wants this and, uh, that was one of the moments that got me but yeah otherwise i think it must be the 2020 factor that people not only is it such dark times, but there hasn't been that many new movies to enjoy. Um, so I think people's standards probably have been lowered quite a bit. But if anything, like you said, it is a good uh, jumping off place to just talk about Sandler in general. Yeah, and I, I think kind of comparing it to the the Rogan movie, American Pickle, like, but that was a similar experience if I watched it on like a, a Wednesday night. It was just like, you know what? I laughed like two or three times and I don't know that this is a, a a great movie or a movie I would gladly just like recommend to a bunch of people. But, you know, for like shutting my brain off and getting away from sort of the the problems of 2020, like it, it, it did the job. Um, So I would say if, you know, would would maybe not go into Hubie Halloween with like the greatest of expectations, but you know I think if you just need like a little bit of escape and maybe like want a couple laughs with the family or something, like I I, I guess it gets that stamp of approval. Um, but let's let's talk about Sandler kind of as a figure. Um, what? How much of an attachment do you have to kind of the? you know, the sort of quote-unquote classic Happy Madison comedies, like the the sort of standard Sandler studio comedy, where do you kind of fall in those movies? I like them all right. Um, let's see, I think one of the only ones I haven't seen is probably The Waterboy. Um, in terms uh, of... that, not, not that good. <laughs> probably also <laughs> like super problematic now, considering I think he's playing a a mentally disabled person, but um, I feel like that's yeah. sort of a recurring theme, even if it's like goes unspoken throughout his his filmography. Yes. But some of those early movies, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, I have like a a slight attachment to. I I enjoy them. 
I haven't really rewatched them that much over the years. I think for a certain generation, people who maybe grew up in their teens with those movies and, and their formative years where that sort of humor is even more appealing, probably has a stronger connection to them than I do. Maybe even the types of movies where, oh, I, I rewatch Happy Gilmore once a year. It's never been quite that much for me. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and look, I am, <laughs> I'm firmly in the camp of people, like, I will, I will fight tooth and nail for, like, stupid comedies, like, I'm, I'm definitely in the box of people who will fight for, like, forgetting Sarah Marshall or Step Brothers as yeah. just as much of a, like, cinematic masterpiece as whatever you saw in the art house theater, but, um, I don't know, it's, it's weird talking about comedies because it's such a subjective thing, um, I think kind of looking back over them, Happy Gilmore is probably the one that I feel like is the most fondly remembered. I think that's the one that, at least amongst people I know, that that's one people rewatch a lot and has very firmly cemented itself in the culture as kind of a, a signature comedy of the 1990s. You know, that, that golden age Sandler run is kind of like late 90s, early 2000s um you also have billy madison that you mentioned and big daddy um the wedding yeah. singer which i i know is a one that i kind of brought up to you which isn't is, is similar to happy gilmore is a movie i don't particularly like but i know a lot of people who grew up with it and it means a lot to them i i, I weirdly think and i'm not trying to be you know um sort of put different uh sexes in a box here but i i do feel like wedding singer is sort of the one i feel like a lot of women i know um really sort of latched on to and uh happy gilmore is the one that's way more of the guy movie but th those two sort of emerge out of that that kind of late 90s early 2000s period is i i think the ones that are the most fondly remembered are, are there any others that you think kind of come to mind well i'm glad you brought up the, the wedding singer because that was actually i squeezed that one in uh this morning before recording uh for a first time watch for that one um and i think uh speaking generally i, I think i'd probably agree with you in terms of there's uh a little bit more sensitivity i guess to the storyline and characters involved in, in the wedding singer and i think that one has, it's the first collaboration with Drew Barrymore, which they'll meet up two more times. Uh, I was about to say, the, the Adam Sandler-Drew Barrymore kind of rom-com, for lack of a better word, that's like an interesting trilogy, because you yeah. also have um, 51st States, which I know I definitely saw, like, not too long after it came out when I was a kid, but just do not really remember much about. Um, and then Blended, which probably the less said the better about that I one. I haven't but... seen Blended, but Fifty First Dates, and that's another one that I find most of his movies are ones where I, I watch them once, and they sort of exist in just, like, this hazy, nebulous space in my mind. Uh, that's the sort of attachment that I have to these movies. But... I haven't seen Blended. It sounds awful, but I would be on board for some another Adam Sandler through very more pairing in, in the future, just based yeah, on have, Wedding Singer and Fifty First States. They have great chemistry, too, yeah. like genuinely great chemistry, and I I have to say that's the bit that you know I think works in the Wedding Singer 
the most. I, I think that movie and Happy Gilmore are kind of interesting ones for us to pluck out of there because Happy Gilmore is sort of the probably like if a space alien came down and was like you know i need an example of of adam sandler as a a comedy figure i i think that's the best one because of you know the the shtick that kind of shticks probably a little bit of a harsh word but the you know the persona that adam sandler kind of got famous for on movie screens um a little bit on saturday night live although i think wedding singer is a little bit closer to his saturday night live persona of you know bringing in um the musical element to him like he's a really good musician i don't know yeah there's a he's got i guess it's kind of a stand-up special that's on netflix that's also i would say if you haven't seen it is is really good and um is very heartfelt and um gives him a lot of opportunities to do sort of these funny little songs that he kind of made a name for himself doing on saturday night live um and wedding singer sort of taps into that as well as the i think the weird sweetness about him that makes him such a great kind of romantic lead alongside drew barrymore and how their chemistry is so great together but happy gilmore is the one where you get the the sort of man child who has all of this rage and anger just bubbling underneath <laughs> the, the, the surface explosive and, rage i think is yeah, one of like, defining uh, features yeah which even becomes kind of like the actual text of a movie like um anger management with him and jack nicholson which yeah. is a movie i definitely watched a bunch as a child and right? remember really really liking as a kid there's just something funny about like him and nicholson screaming at each other but i i have no idea if i would like that movie now but you know even that sort of anger persona becomes like the actual subject of a movie yeah Uh, actually i do have a a connection to anger management which is why i'm so glad you brought it up because i feel like that's one where (laughs) i mentioned it and people are really like, what? What movie is that? They don't really remember it as, as much. Um, and I have to assume that it doesn't hold up. I saw it probably once when I was about 10 years old, and then maybe a couple times on TBS or something. Um, but I first saw it because my grandma took my brother and me when we were about 11, 12, to like the second-run cinema. So mm-hmm. it was like probably a $2 tickets. Um, to see anger management, which I didn't know anything about. I was 10 years old, probably didn't understand most of it, but that the Adam Sandlerness of it is worth that we were just talking about, the, ex- the explosive rage, and probably lots of juvenile humor spread throughout that might be problematic by today's standards. Probably is. Um, but the memory of going to see it with my grandma, who's passed since, so it's a little bit extra special. And just the weirdness of her deciding to take us to that movie at that age. Um, so that's why I sort of have a special place for that one in my heart. Yeah, and I, I think one of the interesting things about Sandler is obviously he has, you know, this long, almost two decade, pretty much two decade maybe a little bit more, because I guess I'm trying to think, Happy Madison is like 90 it's like mid 90s i think it's yeah, I think 95, 95 and, is what is their first one with billy madison yeah um but you obviously have like the canonical sort of 
Stan- Sandler studio comedies. But then every now and then he kind of jumps in and does something a little bit. I don't know if prestige is the right word. Certainly some of them are prestige, but sort of whenever he works outside of the the Happy Madison mold, I think a you have performances like Uncut Gems last year or Punch Drunk Love with Paul Thomas Anderson, where all of a sudden people are like, "Oh wow, who knew?" <laughs> Adam Sandler, right. great actor. And I've always found that such a weird thing because I think specifically with those two movies for now, and then maybe we can get into some of the other like interesting Sandler performances that maybe d- work a little bit outside his typical movie star persona. But I think in the case of Jim's last year and Punch Drunk Love, like that's that's the typical Adam Sandler. Like I think the the genius of both of those movies in having him in the cast is Paul Thomas Anderson and the Safdie brothers are like admittedly huge Sandler fans. Like they have <laughs> made no attempt to dodge in interviews. They're like, yeah, we love those Happy Madison comedies, and yeah. these movies kind of feel like them taking his persona from a lot of those happy Madison comedies. And like I said, the the sort of rage filled um, man child and just sort of soft spokenness and almost like a strange sensitivity juxtaposed with this rage that will inevitably just burst out. Yeah. Yeah. But kind of like using that rage and that persona that he has in really interesting ways. I, I think of those two movies as, filmmakers who are genuine fans of him and his comedy but want to sort of use that energy that he has on screen for a very specific purpose and in Paul Thomas Anderson I think giving that rage and that sort of childishness a kind of um inner psychology and then w- wrapping it around in this um kind of surreal filmmaking which you know, then becomes like a Paul Thomas Anderson Happy Madison movie. I mean, the Punch Drunk Love is like absurd and ridiculous and is really, really funny. But um, I think is is what happens when that kind of movie meets a more sort of art house sensibility. And then with the Safdie brothers just saying, okay, we know we love this kind of bottled up rage and intensity and kind of a, a guy who's just sort of like on the brink of exploding at every moment. And what happens when we put that character into our grungy kind of high intensity New York environment and you get wonders and I I I think of those two performances as very interesting if only because I think most people probably think of them as his best but really I don't think it they're too far off from you know how he is in Happy Gilmore or in Anger Management it's just a you know, maybe some better filmmakers who are able to kind of like put a more interesting context re- around that f- persona. But I still think it's the same kind of great piece of acting, regardless of what the movie is, if that makes sense. No, definitely. I think I think most of it is, is who's behind the camera and in charge of production is what you're going to get out of Adam Sandler and, and the motivations of all those people involved, like the Happy Madison Productions crew, I think I think they have a, a very clear goal in mind when they're making a film and it's to uh, have a good time when you're working and, and create something that's going to be lucrative. Um, and I can't really blame them for that because people lo- love the movies or at least love watching them. 
Um, mm-hmm. And they're making money, and they must be a blast to work on because despite even when you're working with some like lowbrow material, just the atmosphere of being on set and hanging out with your buddies and trying not to crack up while you're doing these takes, you have to imagine that that probably doesn't feel like hard work that much on some of these productions. No, and um, yeah, I mean, like, if you can... (laughs) I'm all for if you can create a work environment that's just, like, you and your friends, like, hanging out and having fun, and yet it's incredibly profitable, like, I don't know. That's the dream right there. Yeah, absolutely. um, Let's maybe talk about some of uh, some other Sandler performances that kind of I don't know, I think show a different side to him. Um I sent you a couple that I wanted to talk about. Uh you want to talk about Meyerowitz stories, which yes. you know, the excellent Noah Baumbach movie that he was in a couple of years ago, um also available to watch on Netflix. I really, really like him. I mean, this would also, I think, be in like an easy top five of favorite performances by him. And I think there are a couple moments where that rage comes out, but I think it is it is so much of a more sensitive and kind of bashful and subtle performance than I think you're even used to seeing in something like... Um, I don't know, Uncut Gems, for example, where, you know, he is the normal, like, manic Adam Sandler, yeah. but in Meyerowitz stories, you know, he's a he's a single dad, he's struggling to communicate with various siblings and even his own father and his own daughter, but that sort of struggle is a bit more subdued than necessarily the guy just screaming at people on the street. I don't know, you had never seen this before, right, until I brought it up? Yeah, I, I love the Noah Baumbach films I've seen, um, and so, somehow I just hadn't managed to watch this one, so I also squeezed this one in, and I'm, I'm really glad I did. I think uh, the rage that we've been talking about a lot is much more in service to this film than it is to a lot of his other ones. Um, it's much less apparent that, oh, this is he's exploding because it's Adam Sandler, and this is what he does, and it's just like, no, it's because this is this character, and he's going through some shit. So, sadly, I think he's a little bit overshadowed somewhat by Ben Stiller, who also gives an amazing performance in this movie. But it just makes me think about how this era and the future of Sandler, I've called like the, the 2010s on, is like the 90% trash, 10% gold uh, era of his and so I'm just curious I would love to see him work with the softies or Bonbach again but at some point we should also consider like who in the future would we love to see Sandler work with to get some of these uh, late game gold performances out of yeah that's an interesting question I I and I, I sort of have a cop out answer in that it's it's not specific, but I think the the key is you gotta find someone who I don't know just isn't afraid to to use him. You know what I mean? Like I I feel like so much of kind of what I wanted to do with this podcast is like I, I feel like the image so many people have in their head, unless he makes you know an uncut gems or something like that, 
the image is just like, ah, he's like kind of a hack and he just like does these movies with his friends and like they're not that funny and he's he just sort of like lazy and he's, they're just excuses for him to go on vacation. And, you know, I, I think part of what I thought would be an interesting conversation with this is just sort of like popping that kind of thought that people have in their head about him and that he's actually like a really, really good and really subtle and unique performer. And I, I think it just takes a filmmaker kind of, like I said, like Noah Baumbach or like Paul Thomas Anderson or the Safdie brothers who understand that about him and understand what makes him unique as a movie star. And then that's when you can get really, really good performances out of him and get really, really surprising stuff like in Meyerowitz stories, which I remember seeing a couple times when it first came on Netflix and was just like, wow, I've, I've like never really seen him in this kind of like soft and gentle of a mode before. And it's really, um, I don't know. It, it just felt really special and feels like the oldest he's ever seen right. in a movie. Like even in gyms, there's some kind of like young kind of hot swagger to him, but he, he seems like, <laughs> You know, I, I'm looking up how old he is now, but I mean, he he seems like middle age in yeah. uh, the Bombback movie, and there is sort of a, a weight of history and a weight of life experience on him at all times in that movie. Um, it's another the one that he's I, seen since since the ending of Click. Yeah, what do you think about Click? That's that's. A, we don't have to spend too he's 54 by the way so like that him in that movie that seems like a guy in his 50s and normally it doesn't necessarily feel because he's just got so much energy as a performer you don't necessarily get that across um yeah what do you think of click we can take this out of it it goes nowhere but (laughs) the only thing i can really say about click is that i did i think tear up at the end at one point but like as a movie um it's really forgettable and we don't have to talk about it yeah um <laughs> i do just remember that coming out and people expecting like a really really like raucous funny adam sandler comedy and then it gets like pretty emotional and dark and it's like yeah. a back half and people being really thrown off by that um a couple other sandler performances that i wanted to bring up uh funny people which is not that great you know is a movie that i think is like 50 60 percent of a great movie that as with a lot of Judd Apatow comedies kind of becomes overbloated and there's just sort of like a couple too many subplots. But I think he's really good in it. And I think that might be, hmm, I think it's up there as one of his best performances, if only because it's an, it's so much of uh, the Adam Sandler star persona is being commented on in that movie for have you ever seen this so that's the other big one on my uh list of shame for sandman unfortunately but i yeah i wanted to check it out and unfortunately i couldn't squeeze this one in um it does sound like it's got that same sort of length and unevenness that most aptel movies have but it it does sound like i love seeing sandler in this uh in this form for him. um so i, I do want to check that one out yeah, I mean, he brings like an um, a surprising amount of weight to it and 
he is playing kind of a fictionalized version of himself. Not not fictionalized in the way that like the character is Adam Sandler, but he's playing uh an Adam Sandler type comedian uh who has become this big movie star and people kind of scoff at a lot of his uh silly comedies as just being sort of paycheck and about him kind of questioning his life as he gets uh diagnosed with cancer and reflecting on his career decisions i i think he's genuinely pretty fantastic in it the movie was a giant bomb back in 2009 um which is a unique thing that like you know going back to when something like uncut gems or punch drunk love happens and people are like oh why doesn't he do this more often and there actually is as i was going back and kind of pinpointing movies for us to talk about there actually was like a pretty like consistent run of kind of like weighty serious drama stuff that he did in the 2000s but a lot of those movies were just bombs and then you know hollywood and its kind of infinite stupidity was just like i don't know people don't want to see adam sandler in a serious movie or in a you know a more or a, a comedy that deals with some more kind of um intense emotions like funny people maybe does um Another one that's kind of like that is, which you should not see, is um, Spanglish, which is, I had to give you a a warning about this because I watched this for the first time about a month ago, and horrible movie. Um, This is a James L. Brooks movie, Uh, I think one of his later films and um probably his worst i i without getting too into the weeds about it um i will just say it is sort of like the green book of 2004 if that makes any sense of yeah sucked you know, in by broadcast news didn't you uh yeah which is you know just a crucially important movie for both you and i <laughs> but um yeah spanglish kind of a movie that i think is trying to say a lot about race and class um but kind of becomes sort of backhanded offended and really really tone deaf he's genuinely great in the movie though and is very very mild-mannered is very very subtle um he's this chef kind of going through a midlife crisis and there's a romance of sorts that sort of sparks up between him and the like main kind of housekeeper character in the movie and it, you know, I it it made me kind of want to bring us back around to the Drew Barrymore conversation of like, what do you think of Adam Sandler as a like romantic leading man? Because I, I watched this movie and was just sort of like appalled by the movie. But every time he was on screen, I was just like, more Adam Sandler rom-coms, please. I mean, I know we don't really make rom-coms anymore, but he he is just so kind of sweet and there is this sort of everyman quality to him that i don't i don't know as much as i kind of hated the movie i was just sort of um delighted by watching him and in every scene and him being so charming and kind of insecure but adorably sweet at the same time i don't know what do you think of adam sandler as a romantic leading man potentially well, it definitely works sometimes because i think uh the wedding singer and 51st state like we talked about the things that work the most about those movies are the rom-com the rom elements of the rom-com 
Um, right. And the combi tends to fall flat, or has more of a chance to fall flat in those films. Um, other than that, like I said, it's I can't remember what it's like with Marissa Tomei and anger management, but uh, I think it's kind of hit or miss. But when it works, it works really well because he has this great charm where he's not your typical movie star and that he's not like the or best looking guy. Right? He's no Brad Pitt when it comes to that. Like the no. zombies were even saying um, that even despite the fact that he's walking around in like oversized basketball shorts and a huge baggy t-shirt, um, he still has this star power quality to him when he's in the room where he'll charm your pants off. And I think that that's the thing that I think I'm connected to most. And I wish we had more movie stars like that where they sort of look like normal people, but I'm I'm they, always advocating for this. I'm yeah. <laughs> this but is such an such old bit charm, with me of yeah. like of like I'm always like we'll be watching something with my girlfriend and it'll be like I'll I'll be pointing to someone like Dustin Hoffman and be like See, we used to have movie stars like that. Justin Hoffman just looks like a normal guy that would be on the street, like yeah. <laughs> of just being like. And now it's like this role would be Chris Pratt or something like that. Of just like longing for the days when we could have movie stars that were just like normal looking people. Yeah, um, the only problem is that they'll probably end up casting like Margot Robbie to be his romantic lead or something. Oh yeah, well that sort of. Uh, the Kevin James effect, where it's the schlubby husband and, and the smoking hot wife, and mm-hmm. it's sort of, sort of a cliche that he's—I think he's fallen into in, in some of his more recent movies. But because I haven't seen them, I don't know how egregious they are. But it's definitely murky territory to trek. Yeah. Well, before we kind of wrap up, uh, I thought a fun. Uh, game to play would be some adam sandler casting what ifs uh (laughs) which i only have two but i think they're pretty interesting um two movies that are near and dear to my heart that adam sandler was almost in uh can you guess what they are is one of them inglorious bastards yeah which (laughs) uh you know no no shots to eli roth but like just can we can we get sandler cgi in there or something that i i just remember i forget what the story was of like why he couldn't do it i think he was i think in both of these cases he was filming something else yeah that sounds just, just like a timing sort of, issue but that would have been amazing to see yeah i mean what he would be in a quentin tarantino movie i think would be really really interesting um the other one is he was originally the first choice is um, the Jamie Foxx character and Michael Mann's Collateral, which huh. is like, I can envision that movie now. Uh, the story behind that is just um, he was busy filming the the James L. Brooks movie Spanglish, uh, which, you know... I guess that's not that much of a travesty because I love Jamie Foxx in that movie. Um, yeah. That's probably my favorite Jamie Foxx performance. But I, I could, like, as soon as I heard that news, kind of, like, doing some some Sandler research, was just like, oh, I can envision that whole movie now and him him and Cruz playing off each other, that that would be something I would die to see. Um, 
any any other like last Sandler thoughts before we kind of like wrap things up? From a critical perspective, he is coming in sort of at the bottom of the pack, which is why I think there is that sort of um that sort of messaging around him at being like a hacker not being talented. So I think of that people are glomming onto that and sort of just using the superficiality of, of that message and the laziness of that message to sort of disregard what you and I have talked about with Uncut Gems, Meyerowitz, Punchdrunk Love, and just how obvious it is that he is a talented actor and it's just a matter of what the motivations of the film are and the filmmaker. And I think it's really just taking the cheap shots at him I think. Yeah, totally. Um, to focus on the negative and, and not really talk about some of the amazing performances he's getting where he's disappeared into the role. Like I when I watch Uncut Gems and I and I rewatch that often, I I don't see Adam Sandler really. I just see Howard Ratner. So I think just getting a little old, just beating down on, on Sam Sandler. I think he he's gotten over it and with his whole Last Oscars controversy, and how he said if he didn't get nominated for the award, then he would make the worst movie ever made. So I jokes think on you, Sandler. <laughs> I I I laughed. Cubie yeah, Halloween wasn't that bad. Definitely nothing himself. Cubie Halloween, yeah. not the worst movie ever made. No, it was, you know, I had, a, I had a pretty good time. I had a pretty good time. Put that on um, the box art. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling in sort of the last year, I, I think especially a lot of the Uncut Gems conversation and, you know, people talking about him as a possible uh, best actor nominee, even though that didn't work out. I, I do think there is sort of a younger generation of movie watchers and movie critics that are maybe trying to um, reassess his standing in the, the film discourse and maybe try and um, push people back to some of the, these other performances even if the movies aren't great um sort of turning attention back to him in those movies and trying to say like no he's he's always been this good or like him in billy madison is kind of the same as uh or why do i keep saying that him in happy madison is uh or gosh wow I'm see it's their fault for jumbled. naming the production company <laughs> happy it's Madison. so confusing yeah. <laughs> him in like happy gilmore is you know only like is not too far off from him in punch truck love and trying to say like this is the same great performer we were getting all along or you know turning attention back to something as awful as spanglish and saying no he's actually like really terrific in this and maybe we should put adam sandler in more kind of romantic leading uh roles but uh jordan thank you again for for hopping on for the second week in a row and discussing the the legacy of of sandman and you know what i i i hope i hope you have a happy halloween as well i hope i hope qb <laughs> makes your halloween just as magical and safe as it could possibly be thank you jesse